Okay, so we're back. Lovely Thursday morning. So, let's get into it. Black Lives Matter blame white supremacy for bankruptcy as $100 million in donations vanish. Really? Really? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this is crazy. Black Lives Matter is teetering on the brink of bankruptcy despite plundering more than $100 million in donation in recent years and smashing out millions of dollars on luxury homes while handing 77 uh, handing seven figure salaries to friends and relatives hmm. black lives matter national organization headed by founder marxist academic patrice colors is attempting to balance the books after financing plunged 8.5 million into the red last year allies and critics alike have questioned where the money went financial disclosures obtained by the washington free beacon show the perilous state of black lives matters global network foundation which officially emerged in november of 2020 as a more formal way of structuring the civil rights movement as you all know the civil rights movement was just really a farce and it's really a failure okay led by big-time sellout Martin Luther King. Yet despite the financial controversy and the scrutiny, Black Lives Matter Global Network continued to hire relatives of colors on very generous salaries, despite their lack of experience in new roles and appointed several as board members. Now, this is just embarrassing. This is just extremely embarrassing because not only are you showing that, you know, blacks can't handle financial responsibility you're showing that you know well what happens if we give african americans reparations look what they'll do with it okay another thing too what we are going to be looking at okay daily daily mail report colors brother paul colors set up two companies which were paid 1.6 million providing professional security services for black lives matter in 2022 Paul Colors was also one of Black Lives Matter's only two paid employees during the year, collecting 126,000 salary as head of security on top of his consulting fees. His best known as a graffiti artist with no background in security. Ah, Patrice Colors defending hiring him, saying registered security firms which hired former police officers could not be trusted given the, the movement's opposition to police brutality. This is dumb. This is dumb. Why wouldn't you hire police officers? You're against police brutality. You're not against police officers. You're against corrupt police officers. But once again, you understand the ignorance of it because this is really controlled by George Soros. Former, I'm sorry, for the previous year, 2021 tax files revealed that Black Lives Matter paid a company owned by Damon Turner, the father of Colors Child, nearly 970,000 to help produce lives movement, live events, sorry, and provide other creative services. While Patrice Colors was forced to resign due to charges of using Black Lives Matter's funds for personal use, 
it looks like she's still keep keeping up, keeping it all in the family, said Paul Kamir, an attorney for the National Legal and Policy Center Watchdog Group. Shalomaya Bowers, who took over from Colors when she resigned, also benefited handsomely from the group. In 2022, his consultancy firm was paid $1.7 million for management consulting services, being reported. And the sister of former Black Lives Matter board member Raymond Howard was also employed in a lucrative role as a consultant. Daniel Edwards' firm, New Impact Partners, was paid $1.1 million for consulting services in 2022, the Free Beacon said. Wow. Black Lives Matter GNF also agreed to pay an additional $600,000 to unidentified former board members consulting firm connection with the contract dispute. Nonprofit group ran an $8.5 million deficit and its investment accounts fell in value nearly $10 million in the, next, in the most recent tax year, financial disclosures show. The group logged a 961000 loss on, on a security sale, 170000 suggesting the group sustained an 85% loss on the transaction. Further details of that security has not been shared. And the cash flowing into Black Lives Matter's coffers has dropped dramatically. Donations plunged from 88% between 2021-2022 from 77 million to just 9.3 million for the most recent financial year. These colors who had been at the helm of the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation for nearly six years stepped down in May 2021 amid anger at the group's financial decisions and perceived lack of transparency. Oh God, this is a joke. A year later in May 2022, it was revealed Black Lives Matter spent more than 12 million on luxury properties in Los Angeles and in Toronto, including 6.3 million 10,000 square foot property in Canada that was purchased as part of the $8 million out of the country grant. Toronto property was bought with the grant money that was meant for activities to educate and support black communities and to purchase and renovate properties for charitable use. I, I don't know what to say, man, because when if this is how it is, Black Lives Matter, I wonder if people still support it. I really do. I wonder if people still support this movement because you're just showing that Patrice Colors is nothing but a parasite for African Americans who have whose loved ones have suffered or died at the hands of police brutality. The group has said it was planning to use the property as a main headquarters in Canada and has now been named the Will Seat Center for Arts and Activism. It emerged that Colors transferred millions from the organization to a charity run by her wife, Janaya Khan, to purchase the property. Colors admitted to the Associated Press that her group was ill-equipped to handle the finances of the charity, which received $90 million a year after George Floyd was killed, but denied any wrongdoing. Colors issued a statement denying she used $6 million LA property for personal use, but then had to backtrack and admit that she had used the compound for purposes that were not strictly business. Activists also amassed $3 million property portfolio of our own included homes in LA, Georgia, and although there is no suggestion of any financial impropriety. Concerns over the group's finances have spurred for years with Black Lives Matter coming under intense scrutiny in the, in the past. 
In February 2022, the group stopped online fundraising following the demand by the California Attorney General. Those shows were, those show were millions of dollars in donations received in 2022 went. The group said the shutdown was simply a short term while any issues related to the state fundraising compliance were addressed. People were straight up thieves. Straight up thieves. This is what they were doing. Taking the money and spending it on themselves. A bunch of grifters and a bunch of parasites to the African American community. It's basically what it was. There's nothing else to say about that. I mean, what can you say? What can you do? All right. People will probably get mad at you for saying that, but it, it's the truth. Black Lives Matter only cares about black people when it's convenient, when you're profiting off the death of black people who have died at the hands of police. That's all it's really about. People just have to be okay, you know, with accepting the truth and holding people's feet to the fire when they say they want to, um, they want to be there for black people, for African Americans, for black people, period, and want to fight for injustice. Because this will keep happening over and over again. Okay. Most of these people that want to fight for black rights, they're bought by socialist, democratic influencers. All right. Secret societies. They will not allow black people to be leaders unless they are picked by them try to get out of line, well, they're going to end up getting deleted. On to the next story now. Okay. And if you think it's bad in these blue states where they have a problem with uh, health defense, especially like New York, here's some more bad news. One minute. Democrats vow to make self-defense illegal. It discriminates against black people. They're really trying to start this race war. Okay? And the Republicans will love it. <clears throat> the Republicans will love it because you have racists in their in their base, in their political base, that want this race war to kick off. Democrats have vowed to make self-defense illegal in America due to the fact that it is overwhelmingly discriminates against people of color. According to a distributing news report, Soros-funded Democratic lawyer, lawmakers are working behind the scenes to ensure that the constitutional right protecting yourself and your family from violent criminals is taken away. The first stages of the plan is to strip Americans of their right to self-defense, being played out right now in the Jordan-Nailey trial in New York. 
If you read most mainstream outlets, you'll hear the 30-year-old black man was a street performer and Michael Jackson personally. You'll also hear that he has, that his alleged friends said he was a sweet kid, that he later suffered from mental disabilities and became homeless. However, if you read independent outlets, you will learn he was arrested 42 times between 2013 and 2021. True. Okay. In 2015, he was convicted of trying to kidnap a seven-year-old girl, whoa, in Inwood, Queens, and he was sentenced to four months in jail. Then in 2021, he was arrested for punching a 67-year-old woman in the face as she exited a subway train in New York's East Village, breaking her nose and fracturing her orbital bone. He pleaded guilty, and while facing 15 months in an alternative to incarceration program, he skipped his court date and had a warrant out of his arrest since February. Both sides of Neely's story are true. He was a talented dancer and suffered mental problems and had become a criminal menace. The New York justice system repeatedly let him off the hook. Even outside of his arrest, people were online posting about his personal experience of being threatened and attacked by Neely. Okay. This is why I had my post on Facebook, you know, has New have New Yorkers lost their minds? Because this is an ongoing um, this is an ongoing situation, okay? And I'm gonna show you something after I'm done with reading this article. Because this is a constant problem in New York City, and you've seen it. Homeless people begging for money and acting violent, okay? Some people, they're down on their luck, okay, you give them a couple dollars, but you have some homeless people that, and mentally ill, that will threaten passengers on the New York City train. It has happened. I've seen it. And then on May 1st, Neely was allegedly threatening passengers on a New York subway car until a former U.S. Marine intervened. He restrained Neely with a chokehold while two other men helped subdue him. After Neely lost consciousness, the men placed Neely in a recovery position. Yet, Neely died. Nobody was initially charged. Video of the incident which was limited to when Neely had already been restrained, was quickly picked up by political actors to play into the country's race narratives. Democrat public representative, I'm sorry, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez of New York wrote on Twitter a couple of days later that Jordan Neely was murdered. She claimed he was a home, he was houseless and crying for food in a time when the city is raising rents, stripping services to militarize itself while many empowered to demonize the poor. So you mean the fact that, what about the uh, the fact that, uh, you know, Mayor Eric Adams is having veterans moved out of hotels and then placing them with illegal immigrants? Aren't the Democrats demonizing the poor? Hmm? She said it was disgusting that the man who allegedly killed Neely wasn't charged. Others on the far left came forward also to criticize the case as being about race, and it suggested that justice was needed, although even among Democrats, not everyone is in agreement. Because they know the fact, this is what it is. They are, it's happened in other cities too. Everything's fine, everything's fine, everything is fine, you know? You know, we, we this is this is race, this is race, until they get attacked, because that's what happened. And, this will keep going. They'll go on this little pious rant until they get attacked by a homeless person, until they get robbed by a homeless person. Then they want to say, you know what? We need to do something about this homeless problem. We need to do something about mental illness. That's 
how they are. Self-serving scumbags, just like the Republican Party. Political attacks sounded like a dog whistle to radical groups in New York. There were no major protests like those that were common with the Black Lives Matter summer riots a few years back. Although a few dozen protesters went viral when they jumped on the subway tracks and forced a Q train to slam on its brakes. It also turned out that the protesters weren't grassroots protesters. They were with an organization called Voices of Community Activists and Leaders, which has funding from billionaires, including Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg, through the FWD.US Education Fund, and radical left billionaire George Soros, through his Open Society Foundations. It also turned out that the radical organization that staged the subject protest had previously teamed up in other protests with the Young Communist League of the Communist Party in the USA. The outright communist group also was involved in the Neely protest and stated in a tweet, thank you to all our comrades who answered the call today. We're just getting started. The communist connection to the staged protest brings the whole incident full circle right back to Ocasio-Cortez bringing the front runner in calling for charges in the case. Justin, Justine Medina, a former AOC aide, is a member of the executive committee of the New York State Communist Party and is co-chair of the New York Young Communist League. That's the same group that stays the subway protest. People's World website notes, Justine Medina is a co-chair of the New York Young Communist League. She's also been involved in Democratic Socialists of America and Alexander Ocasio-Cortez campaigns for Congress. So let's dig into this. Soros finances the, campaign, the campaigns of radical district attorneys who let criminals off the hook. A criminal is killed by people defending themselves when the city's justice system fails. A radical Congress member whose political campaign was notably assisted by media network with funding from Soros comes out and calls for arrests. Then a radical group by Soros stages a protest while being backed by a communist group tied to that same politician also calling for arrest. There needs to be a lot to overlap here. Regardless of the source above and below strategy to play, former U.S. Marine Daniel Penny was arrested in Neely's death. He's now facing a felony charge of second-degree murder, although he holds that he acted in self-defense. So is this really about crime then? Is it really about justice or is it about something else? Well, it's not clear. But what we can say is that the narratives aren't lining up. Many politicians who call for Penny's arrest were simultaneously criticizing the use of justice. They were not noting that young men are being sent to prison, when in reality, many just need help. Yet, they did this while also calling for Penny to be sent to prison. I'm going to be honest here, all right? I don't think Penny should be sent to prison. I don't. I don't think he should be sent to prison. because there's some issues with New York City that's been going on for a long, long time. Okay. And also we have this, uh, these two mainstream media outlets that are just trying to get a race war going. trying to get people to not look at the facts. The facts is New York City has a very long history of not dealing with mental health and homeless issues. And people have suffered and died because of it. 
and people had to fight back. And I always ask this question, if your loved one was on a train with Jordan Neely and he was acting out, being aggressive with people, would you want a Daniel Penny there to help? Or would you just let it let it just slide? Would you just let Jordan Neely just act out? Threatening your loved one, putting your loved one in danger. Others were more direct. Others suggested that this may not be about manslaughter or about justice or even about mental health. Instead, they were saying this is about race. New York Mayor Eric Adams flip-flopped flip on that point. He first criticized AOC for claiming that Penny was that Penny murdered Neely. Then Adams brought race-based narratives to the case. For conservatives, it's not about race. Instead, it's about whether you're allowed to defend yourself. The case has become a symbol of what's wrong with defunding the police and about whether people are being selectively prosecuted based on not a crime, but about the color of their skin. Okay. Well, let me show you something else right now. Okay. You know what? Let me just keep going. I'm going to keep going right here. All right. That's partly why people like musician Kid Rock donated $5,000 to Penny's Defense Fund, criticized New York District Attorney Alvin Brad, oh boy, and declared that Penny is a hero. It's why even politicians such as Florida Governor Ron DeSantis are getting on board to fundraise for Penny. And it's also why people are now bringing up the idea of self-defense. Al Sharpton, for example, was stating that if Penny wasn't charged, he would encourage others to become victims. Listen, I wonder if Al Sharpton would be okay with his loved one being on that same train with Jordan Neely. He's acting out and knowing the criminal history of Jordan Neely. Jordan Neely tried to kidnap a seven-year-old I just read here. You want your seven-year-old loved one to be on the same train with Jordan Neely? Come on now. This is the point where many citizens in the United States find themselves. The common view, at least among conservatives, is this: police have made have made unable to do their jobs. The court appears to have a swinging door, and violent individuals such as Neely are allowed to attack, harass, and generally menace people. So if nobody will protect you, what are your options? Even if you see others being attacked or harassed, should you do anything to help them? Should you allow them to be attacked? Or do you want to risk going to prison simply for stepping up to help? In 2021, we watched in shock at what took place in Philadelphia area when a woman was raped on a train. Passengers did nothing to help her. They listened to her cries and they allowed her to go, to go on. Raise the question of what we become as a society if people don't stand up against evil? What happens when good people don't come forward? And even more, what will we become when good people aren't allowed to intervene? Okay? But let me show you something. Show you something that has just happened in New York City. Here we go.
begin with the search for a suspect in a violent subway station attack on the Upper East Side. New York cops say he pushed a woman into the side of the train. This happened at the Lexington Avenue East 63rd Street station yesterday. The victim who lives in Queens was critically injured. Eyewitness News reporter N.J. Burkett live this evening in Jackson Heights with our lead story. N.J.? Yeah, that's right, Sandra. Here in the victim's neighborhood, Jackson Heights, Queens, just steps from the F train. Investigators now believe the victim was likely on her way home when she was attacked. 6 a.m. Sunday morning. The motive unknown and the suspect remains at large tonight. The woman was on the platform at the 63rd Street station when police say she was shoved headlong into the rail car. The train was stationary, not moving at the time, but she suffered critical spinal injuries. Late this afternoon, sources say it may or may not have been a random attack. The fact is, crime underground continues to trend lower. Overall, major crime in the city's subway system is down 8%, driven by a decrease in robberies of just over 12%, and felony assaults down nearly 13%. Statistics revealed at a New York City Transit Committee meeting just this morning. Transit Division Deputy Chief Norman Grantstaff. With the exception of 2021, the heart of the pandemic, marks the third lowest year to the start of year when it comes to subway crimes in recorded history. Last week, Police Commissioner Sewell testified at the City Council and spoke of the 4 million rider benchmark that was recently eclipsed. This reflects increased rider confidence in the safety of the subway system and is proof positive of the investment of deployed police personnel. Authorities credit a flood of uniforms underground. Critical to Mayor Adams' subway safety initiative enacted more than a year ago. A highly visible presence intended to deter crime and to respond quickly when crime occurs. And it does happen. On Friday, a 33-year-old man said he was slashed across the face by a man acting erratically in an unprovoked attack. The suspect escaped when the train stopped at 53rd Street and 7th Avenue. It may take time for perceptions to match reality of life underground. You're going to be careful no matter what the statistics say. No matter what. I mean, you always have to stand away from the edge, and you've got to look around, be aware of who's around you. Well, great advice, no matter what the statistics say. The victim in this latest case, 35 years old, an immigrant from Turkey. She was on board an E-train at the time this whole incident happened, an E-train station on the Upper East Side. She's in critical condition, I'm told, with severe spinal injuries. Of course, anybody with information about this case is there tonight to call the NYPD. And that's what's going on. That is what's going on. All right. And people want to be for Jordan Neely. Just had the same incident right now. This guy pushes mentally ill, pushes, he has to be mentally ill, pushes a woman onto train tracks. Now she's suffering critical injuries. Why isn't it? Come on, where's the excuse now? Where is the excuse right now? I just want to know. What are we going to do? Are we going to stand up for this guy who pushed a woman on the train? A lot of people were saying when it came to Jordan, Jordan Neely, well, so the penalty be death? 
I don't know, man. Now that I found out this guy was also a possible child molester, well, yeah. What else are you going to do, you know, a grown man kidnapping a seven-year-old? What else was he going to do? Mentally ill? Unhinged? Yeah. I don't feel sorry for Jordan Neely. I really don't feel sorry for him now. All right? Daniel Penny protected those people on that train. And who's to say that Jordan Neely, if he had survived, he wasn't going to do that again. If he survived that chokehold from Daniel Penny, who's to say he wasn't going to um, try and do it again? Who's to say? Let's hear the excuses. Just saying, man. All right. Let's hear about Ukraine. Ukraine's intel chief admits his government has murdered quite a few Russian civilians. Not soldiers, civilians. A senior Ukrainian military official has admitted that his government has murdered quite a few Russian civilians, especially those who they claim support President Vladimir Putin's special military operations in Ukraine. Ukrainian um, Major General Karilo Bandabov, chief of Ukraine's main directorate of intelligence, admitted this during an interview, first reported by the Times of London, along with promise that more Ukrainian attacks against Russian civilians will be coming. In the interview, Bandanov was asked by the Times of London journalist Maxine Tucker whether the Ukrainian military or its intelligence services have ever killed Russian propagandists. In response, Bandanov said, We've already successfully targeted quite a few people. There have been well-publicized cases everyone knows about, thanks to the media coverage. Since the beginning of the Russia's special military operation in Ukraine, several influential figures supported, supportive of Russia's actions have been either killed or wounded by explosives planted on Russian soil. The latest such incident occurred on May 6th when Russian writer and political activist Zakhar Pripilipin suffered two broken legs in a car bomb and also killed one of his bodyguards. Against Trailer Pippin took place near Nisidi Novgorod, a city 265 miles east of Moscow, deep within Russian territory. The main suspect of the car bombing is an individual named Alexander Penrepov, who is currently accused of working with Ukrainian intelligence to plant the, bomb, the car bomb. Other notable victims include Vladin Tatsky, a military blogger who was killed by an explosive hidden in a sculpture given to him as a gift, and Dari Dugina, a journalist for the state-owned 
Russia Today television channel, who was killed by a car bomb thought to have been meant for her father. The political analyst and close ally of Putin, Alexander Dugin, went on off further claimed that the attacks against Russia would come deeper and deeper inside of internationally recognized Russian territory. Despite this, he still refused to directly comment on whether or not his country is responsible for some of these attacks. He claimed that he would only address these comments once the war is over. In another interview, <clears throat> this time with Yahoo News, Budanov admitted that Ukraine will continue to kill Russians. Yahoo News reporters Michael Wies and James Rushton were attempting to ask Budanov about Ukraine's potentially involved, potential involvement in the killing of Dugina in the assassination attempt against her father. Budanov's answer was, don't continue with that topic. All I will comment is on is what we've been killing, Russians. And we will keep killing Russians anywhere on the face of this world until we victory of Ukraine. Budanov added that all of his actions are legitimate because Russia supposedly fired first shot and invaded and annexed Crimea and supported pro-Russian separatists in the eastern Donbass region in 2014. They have been trying to charge me with terrorism since 2016, said Budanov. But I want to begin by saying that the things they call terrorism, we call liberation. It began not because I went mad and started killing its people in Moscow. It happened because they invaded our country back in 2014. In the interview with Yahoo News, Budanov seemed confident regarding Ukraine's prosecution of the conflict, claiming that claiming that Russia no longer has the military, economic, or political capital necessary to attempt another serious offensive anywhere in Ukraine. Ooh, these are lies. Besides that, it is completely incapable of waging serious defensive operations, and this is the very problem we are about to face, he said, referring to Ukraine's anticipated counteroffensive. But in our further claim, without presenting any evidence that Russia's supply of offensive defensive missiles is either running low or almost to the point of exhaustion. I think he's talking about Ukraine uh, offensive and supply of offensive and defensive missiles. I think he's talking about um, his military, not Russia's. They are trying to accumulate certain stocks and have them ready in order to just try to disrupt our offensive, he said. The truth is that they have taken their spots almost to zero. This makes Budanov confident that Ukraine will come out victorious. But even if the conflict ends in Ukrainian victory, Budanov said it will end there. And he said Kyiv aims to invade up to 60 miles within Russian territory from the Ukrainian border to establish a demilitarized border zone that will deter any future attacks. Yeah, this 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 is this is not happening. This this is not no. no. <laughs> oh. Alright, I'll play the video. Hold on one minute. Talk about insanity. That's all I can say. Talk about insanity. Second right here. They killed Russian civilians, so there's no justification for that. Let's keep going. Which city in Crimea will you go after? 
you will go at, go to after our victory. Uh, Sevastopol, definitely, it's my home city. He can read the subtitles. Sevastopol. Крім того, що три мільйони не дуже лояльних людей повернеться. Це не, не дуже лояльні, це люди з видозміненою психікою вже. Це навіть не ідеологія, а психікою. І що з ними робити? Дуже просто. Притягнування до справедливої відповідальності. Справедлива відповідальність, в нашому розумінні, за певних людей, за їх вчинки, може бути тільки і фізичне знищення. Тому роботи буде ще досить багато. Поки може вас трошки здивує, але перемогою це все не зупиниться. This is crazy, man. This is <laughs> oh. Delusion will keep hey, people will keep on being delusional. What could I say? They're losing the war. And people already, well, most people see that. Ukraine is a neo-Nazi country <clears throat> and very much a communist state. People who don't, I don't know what to tell them. I really don't know. But have you heard that uh, New York is sinking? Have you heard about that? Let's let's get into that. Venice and New York. The former is a city in Italy, the latter in the US, quite far apart, but they share more than their love for pizza. They now share a sinking feeling because New York City, just like Venice, is sinking due to the weight of its skyscrapers. It sinks about two to four million. millimeters a year doesn't sound very much right four millimeters is three twentieths of an inch this descent is so slow it sounds almost amusing but experts say it's the very opposite of funny new york sinking is a serious problem and it's an issue shared by several other cities in the world but why is it such a threat and what can be done about it Here's a report. This is New York City, the Big Apple. It's America's most densely populated city, with over 8.4 million people. But do you know what else this city is home to? It's skyscrapers. New York is world famous for its buildings, and it has over a million of them. Can you guess how much they collectively weigh? A strange question to ask, but stay with us. They weigh 762 billion kgs. That's a lot, right? New York City would agree. Because it's getting buried under the burden of its own weight. Correction, it's sinking due to this weight. And we aren't saying this, a study is. New research has been published. It says that New York City is literally sinking. Some areas are subsiding much faster than others, like Queens, Brooklyn, and Coney Island. Areas like Manhattan are sinking at a slower pace. 
because their skyscrapers are anchored in bedrock and not soil. So different parts of the city are being impacted differently. But one thing is common. All of New York City should be worried because it's sinking between 2 to 4 millimeters a year. This doesn't sound like much, but this gradual descent is a big threat. It makes the city more prone to natural disasters, and the downward force of buildings, coupled with rising water levels, create a big flood risk in the city. And this risk is only increasing, thanks to global warming. Plus, climate change is also strengthening hurricanes, which means storms could be up to four times more frequent by the end of this century. And they could invite deadly floods. So New York City is not only sinking, but also unwittingly welcoming worse calamities. As you may have heard, misery loves company, and New York has plenty in this case. Cities across the world face a similar future, including Venice in Italy, Mumbai in India, Jakarta in Indonesia, Bangkok in Thailand, London in the UK, Lagos in Nigeria, and Dhaka in Bangladesh. Out of all these cities, only two are aggressively looking for solutions. The first one is Venice, which is sinking at the same rate as New York. But after years of dithering, the tourist hotspot has built seawalls, costing Italy over $5 billion. They're helping as of now, but experts are doubtful about their long-term benefits. So climate change still seems to be winning the long race. The other city is Jakarta, the capital of Indonesia. It too is sinking, and at a much faster pace than New York. But Indonesia has a solution in mind, quite opposite to that of Venice. It has called Venice's seawalls a duct tape solution. So instead, it's building a new capital city from scratch, like the child who's about to lose a game and decides it's better to start a new one rather than persist with a losing cause. So where does all this leave New York? Will it build another Big Apple on higher and drier land? Experts say unlikely, simply because the sinking is not an emergency. Not an emergency now, but it will be soon. Okay. But what are your thoughts on that, that uh, New York is sinking? All these other problems. How is it that Mayor Mike Adams has not addressed that? Okay. Or Joe Biden? Or does Joe Biden uh, want it to, you know, want New York to be like Haiti? to sink into the sea. He said that about Haiti, okay? Just a fun fact I thought you all should know. But um, let's get into this uh, zombies. Let's talk about zombies right now. Interesting report. Let's, let's, let's get into that. But unlike zombies that you find in horror and fantasy stories, this story is about a zombie drug. This mistake.
This drug is called by various names. It's known as tranquidope, a flesh-eating drug, skin-rotting drug, and a zombie drug. But the question is, why is it being called these names? And that too, such scary names. Before I move on, have a look at these visuals. They have been doing the rounds on social media for quite some time now. In these images, you can see people walking strangely, to say the least, almost like a zombie. Let me just say this very clearly. Weon cannot independently verify the authenticity of these images and videos shared on social media. But these videos are definitely worrisome. They have surfaced from the US in the times of their intensifying drug abuse crisis. But now this seems to be taking a toll on the UK as well. The drug's arrival in Britain has been noted by toxicologists. The Birmingham Toxicology Lab has noticed a strange peak in test results that were later identified, that was later identified as xylazine or the zombie drug. And what's more concerning is that these drugs go undetected in normal drug tests, meaning that there are special drug tests that need to be carried out to detect this drug, thus spiking warnings that many cases of zombie drug consumption could, could actually be going undetected. So what is the story of this drug? The zombie drug is scientifically called xylazine. It is basically an animal tranquilizer it was developed in the 1960s and the purpose was to help veterinarians to treat cows, horses and sheep among other animals. How does it work? By stimulating the animal's muscles to relax, the purpose essentially is to numb their pain. But when human beings consume this drug, it leaves them in a zombie-like state. It rots their skin, it impacts their lungs and causes infected sores. Now the question that arises is, why are human beings using this drug? Why are they putting their life in danger despite such severe health hazards? And the answer is one worded, relaxation. This drug calms the human nervous system. It can knock you out for hours and hence humans consume it to feel better and more relaxed. In fact, according to the National Institute on Drug Abuse, Xalazine is classified as a central nervous system depressant. So when human beings consume it, its effects last longer and they do not feel the need to get another shot of drugs for a longer period of time. Though it's not clear as to how long the effect actually lasts in human beings, in animals, one shot can last up to four hours. Humans are increasingly consuming the zombie drug with opioid. The very drug that has created a furor in America when combined with opioids, the impact of zombie drug is next to irreversible. And this leads to deaths. Among the severe impact, uh, as a part of the severe impact of the drug, blurred vision, disorientation, body wide inflammation, weakened immune system, open skin ulcers, breathing issues. In fact, in cases where infection from this drug reaches human bones, doctors have no choice left but to amputate. This drug was approved for animals, but humans are misusing it. 
and it is causing havoc across the U.S. After having first been abused by people in Puerto Rico, Philadelphia is currently the epicenter of the country's Zalazine crisis. Maryland is reporting an increase in deaths. The U.K. just reported its first death, all because of this zombie drug. And with that, the question that arises is, how big is the xylazine or zombie drug problem? Because not just the UK or the US, but the world might have just witnessed the tiniest tip of the growing iceberg of the zombie drug overdose. We this is very scary. I mean, I did reports on this before. And um, people taking it for relaxation, I, people are taking it because they want to get high. They... they probably exhausted all attributes, all pleasure centers for other regular drugs that you know about, crack, cocaine, marijuana. So they tried something better. They tried something that they feel is better. And they hit the jackpot with Trank. Okay. It's crazy out here. You don't know what people will do to get this high, probably steal, probably kill, to do more, to get that high. It's insane what's going on, man. Really insane. But now we're going to go to Scotland Yard. When you hear what they have to say about how they tend to, how they intend to deal with their crime issue. Here we go. The Chief Constable of Police Scotland, Sir Ian Livingston, has admitted publicly that his force is institutionally racist, sexist, misogynistic and discriminatory. He made the admission at a meeting of the Scottish Police Authority. In a statement, he said, I know and have shared the reservations and concerns about acknowledging that institutional discrimination exists in policing. However, he says it is right for me, the right thing to do as Chief Constable to clearly state that institutional racism, sexism, misogyny and discrimination exist. Police Scotland is institutionally racist and discriminatory. Publicly acknowledging these institutional issues exists is essential to our absolute commitment to championing equality and becoming an anti-racist service. It is also critical in our determination to lead wider change in society. Uh, he goes on to say that the onus is on us, the police service, to address gaps and challenge bias, no, not unwitting at every level, wherever that occurs, to maintain and build confidence with all communities. Recognising institutional discrimination, institutional racism, in my view, is a statement of reality. The real challenge, the real test, is how we are working to address it, what we are doing about it. So really strong words from Police Scotland's Chief Constable, setting out his belief that the service in Scotland is institutionally racist and misogynistic and discriminatory. You could handle this stuff, okay? And still do your job as a police officer. And it's starting to be like the UK, which is why you have the issue with Mizzy breaking into people, you know, going into people's houses, 
and uh, stealing old ladies' dogs. This is really trying to be a race war. And they want it everywhere. And they want minorities, especially black people, to be victimized. And they want blacks who are criminals to go run amok and make blacks who are not criminals look bad. That is what's happening here. They're trying to bring back slavery. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to bring back segregation everywhere. And the only way to do that is to start making people feel that they could do whatever they want. They're trying to put the blacks with the rainbow gang, making them an untouchable class in the worst way. That's what's happening. Speaking of the rainbow gang, let's see how they're destroying businesses. Let's check that out right here. Target anyone? Outkick founder Clay Travis. Clay, what the hell is going on at Target? Do they not? Is anybody in charge over there? Clearly, the children are running this company, that this would fall through the cracks. Look, I, I think this is why the Bud Light uh, example is so important. And thank you guys for having me on. Good to see you again. Uh, because what Bud Light represents is the first time that I can remember, really, in sort of the modern era where a company has to think, hey, let's be careful. Let's not go too far left wing. Let's not go too far woke because it could destabilize, debilitate, destroy the overall brand of our company. And I guarantee you right now, they're having conversations about let's not get Bud Lighted in uh, all of these different boardrooms as it pertains to marketing decisions. And I think Target has lost that lesson, right? Um, and I understand there are people out there, probably you guys are part of them, where you sit around and you say, hey, I don't want to have to think about the political alliances and allegiances of the beer that I drink or of the department store that I go into or of the streaming service that I subscribe to. But I think things have gone so far left wing that we have to be throwing punches back now in an effort to just say, hey, how about you just go back to selling things in a department store that are normal for a normal audience as opposed to trying to make political statements with your product. You know, just to, just to yeah, be clear, these products are not being sold at Target, but Target is selling products made by the same designer who apparently just wants to uh, destroy straight people. And I'm be I'm overstating that. But, but, ahead, but, but I, I think it's fair to say Target maybe didn't know that this was a Satan loving designer that they have his products in the store. That's possible. But if you once once you find out that you got a Satan loving dude who's making merch for your store, you might go, hey, we're going to disavow this guy because we're not Satan lovers ourselves at Target. And by the way, a lot of Christians shop here. That would make sense. But we haven't heard anything from Target yet. Well, and look, guys, I actually think regardless of this relationship with the designer, 
We know that Target is selling these bathing suits yeah. that allow men to pretend that they are women in women's bathing suits and hide their genitals. I mean, I, I'm not an expert in bathing suits. Uh, I know that lots of women think, hey, I hope I don't look fat in this uh, bathing suit. I hope that I'm not showing too much cleavage. I've got a wife, so I sometimes am involved in, uh, in checking some of these things out. And by As the way, she's client. never looked fat in any bathing suit, for the record, uh, that she's ever tried on in her life. But I don't ever remember a woman saying, hey, make sure my penis doesn't show up too much in this bathing suit. <laughs> I just can't imagine that there's that much of a demand for men who want to wear women's bathing suits and then also hide their penises while doing so, that seems like a really limited marketplace, not one where there's a lot of money to be made. Well, Adidas is making women's bathing suits modeled by men, and that's the attraction is you can see the junk. That was how they were. Yeah. But then, again, they're making you forget that the company was founded by Nazis. I guess that was part of that promotion. Uh, you know what? I'll also say in those Adidas shirts, uh, sorry, you know, uh, swimsuits, mm -hmm. there was chest hair in the photo. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, a women's bathing suit with chest hair is a bad combo. I'm just going to toss yeah. that out. I can't imagine, again, that there's very much of a marketplace of men or women yeah. saying, hey, you know what really is a sexy look for the pool this summer in the right, beach? Yeah. I want uh, a women's bathing suit replete right. with chest hair. Forget the yeah. Nazi yeah. roots. I don't think anybody's begging for either of us to wear those. Uh, real quick, a high school track meet in California sparking major controversy. A female athlete placed fourth after losing a shot at the state championship to a transgender track runner much to discuss here sean jump in here yeah no what, what's your is this going to end trey uh, clay i mean time and time again we have you know young girls who are working their hearts out to make the podium and they're losing to transgender men and uh, i guess how do you see this playing out yeah i think it's awful i i think it is uh absolutely indefensible and if you watch as that uh as that you know the the, the medals are given there you know how big of a deal anybody who played high school sports, male or female. Notice I said male or female, not male. You got to blame feminism for this because this is what they wanted. They wanted equality across the board. You got it. And you wanted the numbers. You didn't think about, you know, quality over quantity. Thought about the numbers. This is what you get. Men having men's spaces men having women's spaces male pretending to be female making it to the state to compete for a state championship is the asp aspiring goal of every high school kid in america this girl came in fourth place and she's not going to be able to compete at the state championship because a boy came in second this is just wrong and i wonder on a large degree guys if you are the parent if you're the mom or the dad of this guy pretending to be a girl, how in the world do you feel like you can even support this decision? This is the antithesis of everything that sports should represent. And remember, for everybody out there who says this doesn't happen very often, it's happening more and more. Every Democrat in the House and every Democrat in the Senate voted against a bill that simply said boys should compete against boys in high school and girls should compete against girls. How do we ever get to the point where that is a controversial opinion and where 100% of sports fans don't agree with it? It's absolute craziness. Clay Travis, great to see you, my friend.
We'll see you soon. Great to see you. Unfortunately, people are going to have to pull their kids out of sports because they're getting. They're, they're, what's the point? You can't get a scholarship. Your space, you, the restrooms, a boy's going to be in there. And you, you want your daughter to be safe. Doesn't make any sense having them there. But let's check out more. Okay. When it comes to this. All right. Let's check out more. People saying, look, you know, you know, they should just, you know, just let them be. You know, they're not harming anybody. They're harming people's pockets. That's what they're doing. All right. Let's check out uh, what's going on with uh, more with Target. All right. Okay. All right, here we go. These are kids now. This is this is this is kids they're coming after. Okay, this is the child section. This is literally the kids section. I'm next to a literal onesie that says whatever the hell that means. We have glad you came out and I'm so happy that you're queer in the kids section. Are you kidding me? I'm sorry, but pride and toddler don't belong in the same sentence. So I found an extra small swimsuit in the child section. Just to let you know, a little recap, <clears throat> the WEF, World Economic Forum, want toddlers to experience masturbation. They do. Look it up. Let's continue. It says light binding effect on it. And then the bottoms in the kids section, keep in mind, say tuck friendly construction they're giving it to your kids if that doesn't give you a reason to boycott target i don't know what does but this shit's getting out of hand they're targeting children whether you like it or not and it's time that people actually do something about it because if they don't then guess what that shit won't just be in target it'll be in every store ever pretty much but they're trying to ban you from speaking your mind you even misgender them you're going to jail. That's what's going to happen. You are going to jail. All right. Check out this one. With black people in with transgenderists. We're going to exploit their suffering to become more powerful. And of course, big corporations are taking the lead as they always do. Bud Light just honored a man who dresses up like a little girl called Dylan Mulvaney. Watch this. I got some Bud Lights for us. So I kept hearing about this thing called March Madness and I thought we were all just having a hectic month, but it turns out it has something to do with sports. And I'm not sure exactly which sport, but either way, it's a cause to celebrate 
This month I celebrated my day 365 of womanhood and Bud Light sent me possibly the best gift ever, a can with my face on it. So do you think that the people in charge care about that person or any transgender person? That's what they can't see. This is civil rights movement. <clears throat> okay. Was a scam. All right. <clears throat> and the alphabet gang back then merged with them and went to hide under the civil rights movement, which diluted the civil rights movement. Okay. And they, they exploited black suffering. Okay. And this is what we got today. And now you got them in the front, got the blacks and the minorities in the back. Really, if you suck, you suck, you, you, you're not wanted. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought that was a man. I mean, I'm sorry. I thought that was a woman, but that's a man. Let's rewind that. Whoa, whoa. Really, if you suck, you suck, you, you, you're not wanted. You. Woo. Scary, man. Scary. Terminators, man. Terminators. T-1000. You think it's a woman? And they open their mouth? It's a dude. S plastic surgery? Man, it's getting scary out here. I should have played the Terminator beat. aggressor there wow wow he didn't do anything he was trying to protect himself and all he did was hold up his sign to protect kids that's all he did and they dragged him down to the ground <laughs> oh man to joe biden oh man that that, that sucker never gets old okay oh and you're not supposed to criticize okay fox news ordered their producers to not criticize bud light's transformer medium influencer dylan mulvaney the move was ironically made at the same time as the firing of tucker carlson who refused to re refer to Mulvaney as a female. Yeah. Yeah, man. This this is insane. What's going on? This is dictatorship. I'll tell you that right now. It's straight up dictatorship. That's what they're doing. All right. All right, so let's talk about what's going on with the uh, Florida schools. All right, let's get into that real quick. Time short for me. 
Let's get into this. Fair use, by the way. Fair use. Y'all, Florida just passed AAPI history education. And if you're like, wait, did I read that headline correctly? Florida, as in Governor DeSantis, signed this into bill. Yeah, exactly. This is why we gotta use our critical thinking. Yeah, the same state that has the Don't Say Gay bill, that banned African-American history, that banned critical race theory. Yeah, something's not adding up. But if you go one level deeper... Okay, the don't say gay bill was about, you know, not teaching the alphabet history to minors. I get that's perfectly fine with me. CRT was, um, the problem with CRT was you are adding alphabet queer history. That was the issue with me. Okay, you have your own history. Blacks have their own history. Keep it separate. It actually really adds up because white supremacy tactics, they're not creative. An important force in Asian American racialization is the invention of the modern minority myth, which was very much based on perpetuating anti-Black oppression. And then on top of that, the theory of Asian American racial triangulation teaches us that Asian Americans are typically used as a racial wedge group to create this triangulated form, this triangle shape, in order to keep the racialized structure stable so that the power can continue to stay in the hands of the people who have traditionally held the power. So passing mandatory AAPI history education is compatible with banning Black American history if you think you can use Asians to continue anti-Black oppression. And I will not at all be shocked when Florida Congress people and the governor hide behind the passage of this bill as proof to say that they are not racist. So community, let's stay vigilant and critical of these tactics. Okay. She's right. <clears throat> you know, the hypocrisy and trying to put Asians as the, uh, the model minority, like, look, we're not racist. We have Asian history, but you're a racist when it came to CRT. And all you had to do is just tell them, look, cut out the alphabet, queer studies, and we'll take in CRT. That's it. Because we all know about the alphabet gang and what they're about. But they didn't want to do that. They just wanted black history gone, period. So you see what's going on there. Okay. ACLU to sue Florida over DeSantis backed law blasted by Asian American groups. The American Civil Liberties Union said Tuesday it's is suing Florida over a property law approved by the state's legislature and signed by Governor Ron DeSantis earlier this month that restricts immigrants from China, Cuba, Venezuela, Syria, Iran, Russia, and North Korea from buying homes. The law, which comes into force on July 1st, singles out China nationals for the harshest restrictions and penalties. The law, known as SB 264, harkens back to the anti-Asian land laws of the past century, which barred Chinese and Japanese immigrants from, from owning property in many states. Those laws violated the fundamental right to equal protection, just like Florida does, the ACLU said in a tweet. Florida has taken action to stand against the United States' greatest geopolitical threat, the Chinese Communist Party. DeSantis said on May 8th, I'm proud to sign this legislation to stop the purchase of our farmer and land near our military bases, 
critical infrastructure by Chinese agents to stop sensitive digital data from being stored in China and to stop the CCP influence in our education system. The broad brush depiction of Chinese from the mainland as agents result threat of racial profiling of Asian Americans in the state state's real estate market and burdens on existing property owners from the Chinese mainland have been particularly criticized. Individuals with ties to China government or Chinese Communist Party aren't allowed to purchase real estate anywhere in Florida under the bill. Okay. If you have ties to the Chinese government or you have ties to the Chinese Communist Party, why would why would we want you here? All right. Why would we want you here? Okay. Makes sense. Okay. And the Florida bill, according to the Florida Times Union, nor can anyone who is domiciled in China and not a United States citizen or lawful permanent resident, it said, non-tourist visa holders, however, can buy one real estate property that is not within five miles of one of these military installations and not larger than two acres, the news reporter said, the newspaper said. Okay. The government scapegoating and stripping of landowners' rights of Asian American communities are stains on our, our nation's history. SB 264 repeats this shameful discrimination and further stokes current anti-Asian sentiment by equating Chinese people with certain immigration statuses as agents of the Chinese Communist Party, said U.S. House of Representative member, California Representative Judy Chu, who chairs the Congressional Asian Pacific American Caucus. Chu said earlier this month she is working to introduce a bill to preempt the federal levels such as discriminatory state laws. SB 264 places a disproportionate burden on current Chinese homeowners who now must register their property with the state agency, Chu said. As a result of SB 264, Asian Americans living in Florida will now likely face undue suspicion when purchasing property, including potential racial profiling by realtors, lenders, and other professionals in the real estate industry, Chu predicted. DeSantis, seen as likely candidate in the upcoming U.S. presidential election next year, is already fighting a political war with Disney after Disney Company canceled a $1 billion office project in four years. The new law was also criticized earlier this month in a statement by Florida Asian American Justice Alliance, a nonprofit organization that aims to protect Asian American Pacific Island community in Florida. The law imposes criminal liability on ordinary Floridian property sellers for violations, which will inevitably create a chilling effect in Florida's housing market that discourages sellers to consider any buyers who have an Asian name. This will undoubtedly constrain the development of the Asian communities that deprive them of equal opportunity in Florida. Even worse, the law enables or cover discrimination and racial profiling that will perpetuate stereotypes against Asian Americans. This law brings back memories of the Chinese Exclusionary Act, which President Chesler Arthur signed into law on May 6, 1882, and the Alien Land Law, which was finally removed from the Florida Constitution five years ago after being on the books for almost 100 years, the Alliance also said. Unfortunately, Florida has revived a vestige of these laws in the name of national security. It is said SB 264 fails to properly tailor its policies means to, ser to serve the legitimate interests of the national security, the group said. Florida has about 900,000 dwellers of Asian American Pacific Island heritage as of 2020, according to the Alliance. The state's population that year was nearly 22 million. 
DeSantis backed the law amid the annual Asian American Pacific Island Heritage Month in the U.S., honoring the contributions of the groups to the nation. Laws like these are based on false claims about the national security. There's no evidence that real estate purchases by people from Chinese are causing harm, but there is a long history of similar policies making discrimination and violence against immigrants worse. The ACLU said the bill legitimizes and expands housing discrimination in the violation of both the Constitution and the Fair Housing Act. It is unfair, unjust, and unconstitutional. There's the relevant restrictions will also further fuel Asian hatred in the U.S., intensify racial discrimination, and seriously undermine the value that the U.S. claims to hold China Embassy spokesperson Ling Pingju said in a written comment earlier this month. Yeah, man. So, Bonnie is Ron DeSantis trying to pit Asians against blacks in a possible race war. He's also using discriminatory practices instead of just having all right if you have ties to communist china you're not allowed you're not allowed to own land and you're not even allowed to be here <clears throat> if you're asian and you have ties to communist china in other words you're connected to the chinese communist party you can't be in america that's it that is it but no you do this blatantly yeah DeSantis is trying to bring America back to the 1950s on sort of Democrats. That's how it's going. All right. Hope you enjoyed the live stream. Thank you for viewing. Okay. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, like, share, comment, subscribe, and I will see you on the next one. Later.